All right, so what I'm going to do today might be a little bit different. And um, don't know how all of it's going to flow. Um, I'm just going to do the best I know how. And uh, I don't know whose mic this is, but I'm moving it from this chair right up here. Uh, because I want to use this to sit down. I want to have, to have a little conversation. And by conversation, I mean I'm going to talk and you're going to listen. <laughs> I'm gonna, it's a monologue, all right? It's a monologue, all right? Um, so real quick, um, this week has been interesting, I would say. I would say this week has been interesting. And uh, I think, you know, for us, it's been a little bit challenging with everything that's been going on with the Skinner family. Uh, that's been, it's been kind of, I, I, I kind of feel like I, I was watching a curveball that was looking like it's coming in right at my head and I'm waiting for it to drop down the strike zone so I can swing at it. And it never drops into the strike zone. So like at the last minute, I'm trying to get out of the way of this curveball that's not a curveball. And um, and uh, so there's that that's going on, and then there are the elections, and then there are how people are responding to the elections. And so what I want to do is I want to set aside First Timothy 3 this week, uh, and I believe God wants me to say this to you. I do. I wouldn't bring this to you if I didn't believe that this was something that God didn't want you to hear. I do think it'd be wise to have a sheet of paper if you can find one. If you can't, that's fine. Just do your best to listen, pay attention. But I'm going to share some scripture with you, and I think it would be wise for you to maybe write some of these scriptures down and look at it again later. Uh, because, I, I, you know, that's the important thing is that we're looking at scripture. So this week, <clears throat> I was talking with a buddy of mine, uh, uh, Craig Hardinger, who is the pastor of Arcade Church in uh, Sacramento, larger church. I was actually meeting with him, um, and I was meeting with the board members of what was formerly known as Next Gen Churches. We've recently gone through a uh, a change of name to, to Venture Church Network. Our new uh, national director, Dave Whitaker, is a friend of mine. He's been here at our church before, but he's asked all of our regions to change to one name, so it's like we're, we're, we're one name, not you know a dozen different names in a different dozen different regions. So um, I was talking with Craig, and uh, we were we had this meeting. We were talking, and he made this comment. He said, "You know, uh, he said I, I've never pastored a church." And Craig's same age I am. He's sixty one, and um, and he's been in pastoral ministry for almost forty years. Uh, he started a little bit younger than I did. And he's been in pastoral ministry for about 40 years. And this is what Craig told me. He said, I, I've never seen a church that I've pastored more divided than I've seen it right now. Interesting. Never seen a church more divided than right now. Uh, earlier this morning, I was talking with Justin Brown. And Justin was telling me that he has friends and friends of friends who are parting ways after years of friendship because of things that are happening right now in our culture. Disagreements about how to think about COVID, different uh, opinions about how to think about politics, and it's become so sharply divided that friends are walking away from friendships. Uh, yesterday afternoon, I listened to uh, Ed Stetzer. Uh, Ed Stetzer does a lot of writing for Christianity Today, does a lot of work with uh, LifeWay Research, 
uh, has written a few books, and uh, but Ed Stetzer was interviewing Rick Warren. Uh, how many of y'all know who Rick Warren is? So uh, most of you, it looks like. But Rick Warren wrote The Purpose Driven Life, which is an international bestseller, sold, I don't know, like 50 million copies, something like that. And he's written a bunch of other books, too, and, and stuff. I've actually met Rick Warren a couple of times. He's a real nice guy, neat guy. Neat, very unassuming. Doesn't he's not like I'm the big pastor of the big church and you're the little pastor of the little church. He's not like that. He's very down to earth kind of a person. And um, and but Rick Warren was saying, and he's been in pastoral ministry for quite a while. Saddleback, I don't know how old Saddleback is. I think they're like maybe 40 years old now as a church, close to it. But it's been considered a kind of a flagship church uh, here in North America for a long time. And I listened to uh, Stetzer interviewing Rick Warren, and, and Warren said he has never seen his church more divided than it is right now. Interesting. Division. 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 People are divided. They're parting ways with friends that they have loved for years. We're seeing churches divided. Interesting. You know what the Bible tells us is supposed to mark the church? The unity of the Spirit. And what's happening is, in our churches, we're becoming just like the world. We're becoming just like the world. We're divided. Instead of being united under Christ, we are divided over politics and COVID. And this is the reason so many people today who are not Christians look and say, this is why I don't believe in Jesus. Because there's really no difference between Christians and us. All they see is division. All they see is anger, anger, anger. All this anger about politics. All this anger about COVID. All this anger about all these things. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, uh, it says this, it says, it says, um, be angry, but do not sin, and do not let... The, the sun go down in your wrath. But it says, it, it says this, it says, do not give the devil a foothold. The angrier I am, the angrier you are. The angrier we are, the more we give the devil a foothold in our lives, our families, our friendships, our churches, and people mock the gospel. So what I'm talking about is pretty important. It's pretty important. Let's talk about elections for a moment. The most hotly disputed election in American history was, can anybody tell me? Anybody study history? All right, all right. So Justin said the one that he remembered most was Al Gore and, uh, and Bush, okay? Uh, George W., uh, and that was pretty hotly disputed. You know, that was hotly Remember the hanging Chad controversy and all that in Florida? Uh, and that was disputed for about a month, a little over a month, I think. Uh, that was pretty, but the, the most disputed election in American history goes all the way back to 1876. 1876. And you all remember who was running, don't you? Everybody here knows who Samuel Tilden was, don't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, Samuel Tilden, Samuel Tilden, he was, uh, uh, by the way, won the majority vote, 50.9%. Uh, had 4,288,456 votes. 
uh, Indian uh, Democrat, Republican Rutherford Hayes. Anybody remember Rutherford Hayes? Interesting because he's a president. But we don't even think about him today, do we? We don't think about him. We don't remember that. By the way, this is approximately 10 years after uh, the Civil War. The nation was deeply divided, probably more divided than today. We haven't killed, you know, we're not killing at that level uh, like we were at the, the Civil War. But uh, so what happened was um, uh, he had 4,034,311 votes to Tilden's 4,288,546 votes. So he had 47.9% of, of the vote, and I don't know who had the rest. But... Um, but Hayes was awarded 185 electoral votes. Tilden received 184 electoral votes. And so Rutherford Hayes ended up being the next president. And it took from, it took from November the 7th, 1876, until March the 5th, 1877, to finally swear in uh, Hayes as the next president. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because we've had division before. We've had contested elections before, and it was not the end of the world. All right? What I'm trying to do is give you historical perspective from American history. This is not the end of the world that the election is going to be contested, and it will be. It's going to be contested. Okay? We already know that. It's going to be contested. Um, last time I looked... Last night, I looked at AP election maps, uh, results maps. Uh, it had Biden having 290 electoral votes. You only have to have 270. He had uh, 290 electrical vo- uh, electoral votes. And, uh, and he has the largest popular vote ever for a president uh, of 75,193,022 people. So whoever your favorite president was ever, he has more electoral votes, or he has more uh, popular votes than that person, okay? You know who has the second most popular vote ever in history? Trump. Same election. Yeah, he has uh, roughly 71 million votes, okay? Slightly under, unless it changed this morning. So around 71 million. So what that means is uh, we probably have uh, 75 million plus people who are happy, and we have 71 million people who are sad, all right? Uh, what, what, what is happening right now is that, um, and, and this is true in any election. You're always going to have some people who are like, oh, I'm so glad, I'm so excited. And you're going to have some other people who are going to say, the end of the world is near. Do you think someone was saying that in, in the days of Tilden and Hayes? Probably. You know, the end is near. The end is near. By the way, the end is near. But it has nothing to do with Biden, has nothing to do with Trump, has nothing to do with Tilden, has nothing to do with Hayes. Just the Bible tells us that Jesus is coming quickly. Jesus is coming quickly. Now, when quickly is, I don't know. But Jesus is coming quickly, and I know that every day we should live like this is our last day on this planet. If you knew Jesus was coming back today, how would you live your life differently? That's how you should live every day. Okay, let's talk about this. Uh, we're a divided nation. Uh, we're going to have a contested election. So how should we as Christians respond to last week's elections and the contesting of the outcome of the presidential election? 
And, um, and so I'm going to try to make this as fast as I can. All right? Because faster is better. Number one, live like God is awesomely in charge. Live like God is awesomely in charge. That right now, if God is awesomely in charge, is God, is God nervous in heaven? Is God anxious? Oh my goodness, I never foresaw that. I never expected the election to turn out that way. Dang it, I so wanted Tamika to be our new congresswoman for our district. You know, God's not up in heaven all anxious about what's happened. And by the way, you shouldn't be either. If you're a follower of Jesus, are you supposed to be anxious if God's in charge? No. No, 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 no. No, if I ask you, is God awesomely in charge? Every person in this room is going to say, sure. Sure. If I ask you if God's awesomely in charge, you're going to say, sure. But are you living right now like God is awesomely in charge? I'm not telling you to believe that God is awesomely in charge. I already know you believe that. I'm just telling you, live what you believe. Live it. A lot of people say they believe a lot of things about the Bible, and then live very, very differently. Do you know that? Happens every day. You know who does that? I do. Last night, you know who was having a hard time falling asleep? I was. I was feeling anxious. I thought, doggone it, tomorrow morning I'm going to stand up and say, live like God is awesomely in charge. And here, so I went downstairs, I went downstairs, and I started watching football. It helped. It actually helped. Joe, I'm sorry about Penn State. Hey, do you know what? They're going to come back. Penn State's a great team. They're going to come back. They're going to come back. Live like God is awesomely in charge. By the way, I'm convinced that God is a Razorback fan. Now, in politics, I'm not, not so sure, but in, in football, I'm sure, because I prayed that Arkansas would beat Tennessee yesterday. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Live like God is awesomely in charge. There, there was a, a pagan king who did not, he just didn't believe in God at all. He was the most powerful man in the world. He ruled over an empire. The stretch of his influence was huge in his world in comparison to what we see in our world today. Nobody in our world today had the kind of influence today that he had back then. Now, one day, he gets all proud. He gets all proud. And um, and he says something. He... Uh, he gets all proud, and he says, hmm, wow, I'm pretty amazing. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar says, and, and, and this is in the Hebrew, okay? He says, wow, I'm pretty amazing. Wow, I'm pretty amazing. Is not this the great Babylon I built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my Majesty, you know what happens when people in power get really arrogant? They answer to God. Sometimes it happens before they die. Sometimes it happens after they die. But I guarantee you, the moment Stalin, Joseph Stalin died, he hit his knees and wept, saying, Jesus is Lord. The moment Adolf Hitler died, his knees hit the ground, and he wept, saying, Jesus is Lord. 
The moment Nero died, his knees hit the floor and he wept, Jesus is Lord. It will happen. It will either happen before a person dies or after. But it will, it will die. And anybody who's really impressed with their power and authority right now needs to understand their authority is nothing. And God is everything. In that moment, God touched Nebuchadnezzar. He lost his sanity for a period of time. At the end of that time, the Bible says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. You know what that means? It means he finally recognized he wasn't in charge. It means he finally realized that God is awesomely in charge. He raised his eyes to heaven. He raised his eyes to heaven. And, and he, he says this, I raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. God's dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as He pleases with the powers of, of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back His hand or say to Him, What have you done? Who died and appointed you God? God is awesomely in charge. So we want to live like it. Second thing is this. Live like, live like you have nothing to fear. Live like you have nothing to fear. Okay? Uh, I, 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 I've never gone through and counted them all. I've heard people say it, and I'm pretty sure it's not true. Uh, but, but I've heard people say it a lot. And it's kind of like it's one of those things that one pastor says it, so another one says it, then another and another and another. And if you disagree with them, everybody's like, what's wrong with you? And then you go back and I read my, I said, well, I read my Bible and it didn't say what you said it said. But I've heard it said that there are 365 times where God says fear not in the Bible. One for every day of the year. Now, here's the thing. I looked in my concordance, my exhaustive concordance, and it wasn't there 365 times. But guess what? It was there a whole lot. And actually, if you look at all the passages where God speaks to fear, it was way more than 365. See, we want to live like we have nothing to fear. Uh, Isaiah 41.10, Isaiah the prophet says, So do not fear, God speaking to us. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God says, do not fear, for I am with you. Are you concerned about the elections? Do not fear, for I am with you. Are you concerned about COVID? Do not fear, for I am with you. Yes, wear your mask. Practice safe distancing. Some people say COVID is not really an issue. 250,000 dead people would tell you different. My mom, who's recovering, would tell you different. My sister, who has very bad asthma, who thought she was going to end up in the hospital, would tell you different. Today, my son would tell you different. COVID is real. By the way, three more people in Solana County died, not yesterday, but the day before. It's real. It's real. Let's just kind of dismiss the people who are dismissing COVID. It is real. 250,000 people died. You know how many... 
it's the second leading cause of death in America, or third leading cause of death in America today behind heart disease and cancer. Cancer and heart disease. Only two things kill more people. This is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to say. It's not in the Bible, but I'm going to say it, and I know I'm right. Okay? It's about wisdom. When I drive down the freeway, this is what I do. I practice safe distancing. Yeah, I do. I do. I practice safe distancing. Why? Because if I don't, I might get killed. Okay? And when I drive down the freeway, I wear a seatbelt. Why? Because if someone else is not practicing safe distancing, I don't want them to kill me. Okay? So I wear something and I practice something. COVID-19 kills people. So wear a face mask and practice safe distancing. This is not a violation of your constitutional rights. This is common sense. It's just common sense. Why do we have to debate this? Okay, let's get back to the scriptures. Do not fear, for I am with you. You don't have to fear COVID, but you would be wise to wear a mask and practice safe distancing. You don't have to fear dying in a car accident, although you might. But it'd be wise to practice safe distancing and wear a seatbelt. You don't have to quit driving forever. Just drive smart. Okay? Uh, so let's be smart. Uh, don't be afraid, for God is with us. Uh, in Joshua 1.9, uh, live like you have nothing to fear. Joshua 1.9 this is Caleb's theme verse. I gave this to him as a little boy. It's the first verse Caleb ever memorized. Have I not commanded you? God says. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. God wants you. God wants every single person in this room today to be strong and courageous. That's what he wants for you guys right there. I want that for you too. Be strong and courageous. Make that your theme verse. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you. Wherever you go. Later today, I'm going to drive down to Monterey with my wife. And I'm going to spend a couple days there with her. And, And I'm going to go there and I'm not afraid of what's going to happen to the church. Because Steve's in charge. No, because God is awesomely in charge. But if you need something, call Steve. Don't call me. I will be meeting with some pastors, but mostly I'm going to be spending time with my wife for two days. By the way, they're paying for it so I can go. So um, so live like you have nothing to fear. In 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul told Timothy, he said, Uh, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Live like you have nothing to fear. Number three. Oh, this this one's really hard for some people, especially people who talk a lot about politics. If you are a Christian talking a lot about politics, I'm going to encourage you to back away from it. I'm going to encourage you not to have a political conversation for 40 days. For 40 days, I'm going to ask you to fast from talking about politics. You know why? Because a lot of political talk is incendiary. You know what that means? It causes fires. It burns down friendships. It burns down churches. It destroys and divides. 
There are men who are called men of God who are talking way too much about politics. And this is why I say they're, they're talking way too much about politics. They are not talking enough about the gospel. What unites us in Jesus is more important than what divides us in our politics. Fast. Live like a peacemaker. Planting seeds of peace. This is your God-ordained responsibility. And it is the God-ordained responsibility of these so-called men of God. Franklin's one of them. Franklin Graham is one of them. He should follow the example of his father. This is wrong. It is just plain wrong. We're supposed to be about the gospel. We're supposed to be about people being saved. Republican and Democrat. Black and white. You know, some people, they approach the election like race is the most important issue. And for many people, it is very important. Some people approach the election like abortion is the most important issue. And it is important. By the way, I am pro-life because I believe God's pro-life. Some people believe the most important issue is the economy. The economy is important. Some people believe that COVID is all important. Some people believe climate change is all important. And because we believe one thing is all important, we miss the one thing that's all important. God. The unity of his church. The proclamation of the gospel. Can we get back to doing what the Bible says to do? Live like a peacemaker. By the way, I may not be living like a peacemaker right now. I might not, I, I, maybe I'm getting a little bit too heated. I, I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. I, I don't want to give the devil a foothold in my life or our church. Live like a peacemaker, planting seeds of peace. Why? Why do I say that? Because the Bible does. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Jesus said, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. In Romans fourteen nineteen, the Bible says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and the mutual edification. Now, folks, we gotta plant seeds of peace. We've got to be peacemakers. Because that's what Jesus said we're supposed to do. It's what the Bible tells us to do. Number four, well, here. Those are the three main things. The three main things, and I should probably end there, but I'm not. Uh, three main things are live like God is awesomely in charge. Two, uh, live like you have nothing to fear. Three, live like a peacemaker planting seeds of peace. Number three, let me just say this real quick. Or excuse me, number four, let me say this real quick. I'll get the, these other four things out of the way fast. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you hear. Sometimes people will hear something again and again and again. And you know what happens when they hear it again and again and again? They believe it. You know why they believe it? They're naive. That's what the Bible says. They're naive. The Bible says they're simpletons. The Bible says that they are gullible. Where do I see this in the Bible? Well, Proverbs 14, 15 says the naive person believes everything. Or the NLT uh, says it this way, uh, only simpletons believe everything they're told. 
the message uh, translates it this way. The gullible believe anything they're told. The prudent sift and weigh every word. So remember this. Just because someone makes an accusation doesn't mean it's a fact. And rhetoric is not proof. We need to maybe listen less to our one and only news feed and listen to the good news news feed. So don't believe everything you hear, whether it's on Fox, CNN, or whatever your favorite news feed is. Don't believe everything you hear. Number, number five, remind yourself that your citizenship is in heaven. Now, a lot of us, we're very proud to be Americans. By the way, um, by the way, I'm going to say this real quickly here. If you're a Christian today, if you're a Christian, did you, did you know that you have more in common with the North Korean? Did you know you have more in common today with the North Korean, possibly, than people that you interact with every day? See, if you're a Christian and a North Korean is a Christian, you will spend all eternity together worshiping God. But you're an American citizen. You can be in the company of another American citizen who when he dies or she dies, they will be separated from you and from God for all of eternity. Folks, you know, what? what uh, one of the things, I, I heard a, a pastor say this the other day, and I thought it was really a good point, is he said this. He said that, that Paul was a patriot. He loved the people of his nation. In fact, in the, the scriptures Paul writes, he said, he said, I could wish that I myself were separated from, from Christ for the sake of my countrymen, meaning that I would be willing to die and go to hell if my countrymen would be saved. I'm not ready to do that, by the way. I want to go to heaven, all right? But he was a patriot. But he was not a nationalist. He was not a nationalist. He did not elevate his nation over other nations. No, he was not a nationalist. He did not elevate his nation over other nations. In fact, he was an apostle to who? The Gentiles. That was a title given to him by the Lord Jesus Christ. He was an apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, He was... He was uh, he, he cared deeply for his countrymen, but he cared deeply for others as well. Uh, the Bible says this. Our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, Paul was writing here to the Philippians who had Roman citizenship because Philippi was a Roman colony. And Paul said, hey, look, the citizenship you have isn't to Philippi or to Rome. Your citizenship is in heaven. Meaning, Gladly give up your constitutional rights. Gladly give up your constitutional rights for the sake of the gospel. By the way, by the way, our brothers and sisters, I was reading this week, in the Democratic Congo, uh, uh, whatever, uh, Republic, whatever, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, last week, last week, 19 young women gave up their lives for the sake of the cause of Jesus. A couple days later, another 21 people gave up their life. And since the beginning of of 2019, 1,000 believers in Jesus, uh, they gave up their lives for the sake of Christ. Now, I I love my constitutional rights, and I'm not saying just throw those things away. But what I am saying is, is that your citizenship, if you value your American citizenship more than you value your citizenship in the kingdom of God, 
I'm going to say this again because I want every single person to hear this. If you value your American citizenship more than your citizenship to the kingdom of God, I'm going to say this a third time because I want to make sure every single person hears this. If you value your American citizenship more than your citizenship to the kingdom of God, there's a very real possibility you are not a citizen of the kingdom of God. And you need, you need that citizenship. You need to exalt Jesus over everything and not your nationality. Remind yourself that your citizenship is in heaven. Number six is this. Pray for those who are in authority. Pray for those who are in authority. The Bible says, I urge them, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. Now, one person will object. They're a Democrat. They say, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You want me to pray for a Republican president and a Republican Senate? Or a Democrat might say, excuse me, that would be the Democrat who would say that. The Republican might say, are you kidding me? You want me to pray for a Democratic president and a Democratic Congress? And this is what I would tell you. The Bible says, pray for kings and all those in authority. By the way, who was in authority at the writing of this text? Nero. And what did Nero do? He beheaded the man who wrote the words of this text. He cut his head off. You know what else Nero did? He had Peter crucified upside down. You know what else Peter or Nero did? He burned the city of Rome and blamed it on the Christians. You know what else Nero did? He took Christians, men, women, children, crucified them on crosses, drove nails through their hands and feet, covered them in pitch, and set them on fire to light his gardens. That was the man who was in power when the Bible tells us to pray for kings and all those in authority. Now, I think we should pray that they'll meet Jesus. Maybe sooner than later, okay? But we should pray, you know, what the Scripture says, pray for kings, all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We are supposed to be praying for the salvation. Over the last few weeks as we've been praying, I have never prayed for someone to win the election. I haven't. I have prayed for the salvation of Joe Biden and Donald Trump, Kamala Harris and Mike Pence. Now, I'm not assuming that they are or they're not saved, but I'm praying for their salvation because I know that honors and pleases God. I've been praying for Gavin Newsom, for his salvation. I've been praying for our mayor, our city council. I don't know what you've been praying for, who you've been praying for, but to me, more important than voting is praying. I believe that. I, I voted, too. I voted. Uh, I won't tell you who I voted for, uh, but I think only one other person in our precinct voted for the same person, all right? Uh, and, and, and obviously they weren't elected. Uh, but I, I think she'd make, Condoleezza Rice would make a wonderful president. Just, you know, just saying, all right? That's not an endorsement, just that's who I voted for. Uh, because she's a follower of Jesus. She's humble. She, um, she's pro-life. She cares deeply about race issues. Uh, she's very, very smart, way smart. You don't, pre- you don't teach at the Hoover Institute at Stanford unless you're smart. Uh, but I voted for someone who I believed could represent our nation well, and she has experience as Secretary of State. 
Now, what I'm saying this is I'm just saying we're supposed to vote. And I'm going to tell you, vote whoever for whoever you believe God's telling you to vote for. But to me, I'm going to vote for someone I believe in. And, and what I'm going to say is that more important than my vote is my prayer. And I probably shouldn't have talked about who I voted for. And if I offended you, I apologize. But, you know, right now, I just think we, we we're praying coming into the election. We need to pray after our election. That's what I believe. We need to pray that all people will be saved. And then we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in other countries who don't have the same freedom we do. Finally, and I'm going to end with this. Seventh point is this. Turn off your news feed. Turn it off. If you're feeling a little bit riled up, turn it off. If you're feeling a little bit irritated, turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it off and pray. Turn off your news feed, or maybe you watch the news on the news. Turn off the news. Uh, get off social media. Uh, open your Bibles. Pray. Pray and pray. And then live like God is awesomely in charge. Live like you have nothing to fear. And live like a peacemaker planting seeds of peace. Uh, Joy, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and come on up. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come up. Uh, I want to just make a few more comments here. Tweet whatever you got to do to set up. You feel free. Um, I know I probably I probably have not done this very well today. Uh, I know that some of the things I have said may have offended one or more of you. Um, I am a man. In process, I am far from perfect. Uh, we all know that. And by the way, we are a church in process, far from perfect. But I, I believe that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. For Republicans and Democrats, I believe that with all my heart. I, I believe that if we're watching things that are stirring us up and making us angry... Uh, if I'm watching things that stir me up, making me angry, I need to turn it off. And I will tell you, I turn it off a lot. I've gotten to where I just simply don't watch the news anymore. Because almost everything I watch stirs me up. And I know I've come in here a little bit stirred up, and for that I am very, very sorry. But I do believe, I am very deeply concerned that churches are being divided. And I'm hearing this from very, very good pastors of very, very good churches. And when the Bible talks so much about unity, you know, on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, arrested, dragged into court, a kangaroo court, all rights deprived because he gave them up freely, and then the next day he would be beaten beyond recognition, his skin ripped and flayed. And then his hands and feet, spikes driven into a cross. Not the little symbol that's real clean and neat, that's made of gold around your neck, or that you have on your wall. I'm talking about a cruel instrument of death. The Romans wrote 
they wrote this, that may the cross be not just far from your body, but far from your thoughts. That's how the Romans thought about the cross. They hated it and despised it and used it again and again for execution. What's most important is not our politics that divide us, but our Lord and Savior who unites us. Let's get back to the gospel, proclaiming the word of God, living for Jesus. And, uh, yeah, have opinions. Have opinions, but let other people have their opinions. Uh, But don't stir up. Don't make comments. If you're a Republican, don't make comments about Democrats. That stirs them up and gets in the way of them hearing and seeing the gospel. And if you're a Democrat, don't be making comments about Republicans to stir them up and drive them away from the cross and from Jesus. And let's get united uh, about the gospel. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we want to give you thanks. We want to praise you and honor you. Father, Holy Spirit, you are holy, holy, holy. And God, we want to be united in Jesus, and we want to be united in the gospel. And uh, and Lord, we want to um, we want to put aside all the things that divide us, Lord. Where uh, the policies uh, of our political parties are immoral and unbiblical, we want to address those issues. Uh, with the truth of your word. Uh, we don't want to flinch from proclaiming your word. Uh, but we don't want to flinch from proclaiming the gospel. And Lord, I pray that today, that where there needs to be repentance, there will be repentance. And that, that we will stand together uh, for the cause of Jesus. And I pray this for the glory, the honor of your name. Amen.